0: Hello and welcome to the Hybrid Podcast. Today's episode is a guest podcast with Benjamin Pritchard, who is a GB Paralympic rowan athlete. Uh, So that is really, really interesting. One of the best podcasts we've recorded in ages and ages. Um, But first, just a couple of announcements. We've got the Hybrid Winter Games, which we go into on the podcast, unfortunately, Ben can't come to. Um, But he was planning on taking gold at that, uh, as well as Tokyo next year. That is on the 7th of December, um, so sign up to that online. You can sign up as a team or as a single player and we'll make some teams up on the day. It's going to be very, very fun. Um, I said a couple of announcements, but I think I was lying to you and we only have the one announcement. So without too much preamble, uh, please enjoy the podcast. (laughs)
1: Right,
0: super, you know. Thoughts on lentils? Um, uh, gritty.
1: I think it's a four out of seven. Mm. Quite nice. Is
2: there mint in it? This is I there something like mint in it?
1: Alright. I, like, I don't think it's harsh because I. I like the visco the viscous viscosity. I like. It. Viscosity. <laughs> um, and I could keep eating it for ages. Mm. What I do would you... say it's like, 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 like I wouldn't say the best super. It's an excellent flavour.
2: I'd probably get it a five, mate. I'm quite I'm enjoying so. it. I think so.
1: I'm, just, I'm enjoying it loads. I'm really sad when it finishes. <laughs> That's a five. But four's still good. Mm.
0: But with a four, you're like, oh, that was great. But you're not like really sad when it's over. Hmm. Where. actively missing it is like it's pretty good That. do mm. like,
1: the best soup I've ever had
0: I think the
2: Moroccan chicken one in mm. is mm. up there and tr- chicken and truita as well three tiers of soup
1: better than this yeah maybe not maybe it's a five that <laughs> was a very in-depth
0: discussion <laughs> very <good>. have you <laughs> not listened <laughs> to any of our podcasts <laughs> no, <laughs> you um,
2: are we recording yeah we recorded all of that. <laughs>
3: Excellent. Uh, let me just put this on to do not disturb, so we don't get any unwanted attention. Mm. But I need it because I need to verify my fact. I see. Oh,
0: that's that's important actually. Very very
3: important. Mm.
0: So are we doing this the same way as last week with John? Preamble. Reamble. Yeah. Intro. Yeah. Excellent. I think so.
2: <laughs> I think I think that structure worked very nicely. I think so. Everyone loves okay, the um, okay, five the five outtakes five.
0: as well. What's your favourite soup, Crutch?
3: Leak and potato. Yeah.
0: See, Ooh, I love a leak and potato. Simple. Yeah. Oh. Simple. you so Welsh. <laughs> I love leek <leakin'> and potato. <laughs> Leaking <laughs> potato
3: is one of the best soups out Is it me. Welsh,
0: particularly? No, I just because it's le- got leeks in it. See- it's being simple. racist.
3: Simple. Simple.
0: Tidy it is. It's tidy. It is a, a tidy soup.
3: Yeah. It is a very good soup.
0: It probably can never really go much beyond... Even at its best it can't be better than a five, but it's still great. Yeah, it's mm. not gonna flavour it. It's not gonna like smack you in the face and you're gonna go, Wow, but yeah. Go home. Your mum's made a nice big pot of and potato it soup. Oh. Amazing. Yeah. I've never had leaking potato soup
1: made
0: by my mum. No, I have to come back to Back well, home with me. Yeah. You, have to, you have to
2: try Steve Morgan's uh, French onion soup as well. That's that's a good one. Steve Morgan knows his way around the kitchen, I can
0: tell you that much. <laughs> he does indeed. French makes a soup, solid, solid the worst, curry though. to Steve Morgan. Oh, yeah. Oh,
3: Meg's dad makes one of the best curries ever. Brilliant. Oh, yeah. We, go to a curry we do a house, podcast
0: at each of our parents' oh. house with a speciality. <laughs> yeah. My mum makes a banging roast. Mm. Mum's have to make banging roast. To be fair, I'm glad about
3: the roast. I think my mum's was a cauliflower and cheese. Yeah, the cauliflower so not, cheese. Not a good roast. My dad did a good roast, but mum did the good. You know, accompaniments.
0: Yeah, yeah, world. yeah. Oh, the accompaniments are what make a yeah. roast. I think. What's your favourite accompaniment? Might be cauliflower cheese. Yeah, dirty cauliflower cheese. Or like leaking cheese sauce is nice mm-hmm. as well. It's my my mum does so. a very good Luke. cabbage fried off
2: with bacon and garlic. Yeah, that's, and that's good. unbelievable. That is
3: good. Brussels sprouts with bacon. And
0: my pizza. mum does like almost like um, a really quick sauerkraut. So it's not actually pickled, but like cabbage sautéed with like apples, uh, <coughs> cider vinegar, and blueberries in it. Ooh. It's lush like cinnamon and Christmas spices. Oh, that that's amazing well lush, yeah. well lush, That one. I'm getting more <laughs> well Welsh <that's> yeah. go. <laughs> Danger driving too well. <laughs> yeah. Three.
3: Three.
0: Tom. <laughs> yeah, I know. We sort of forget about Tom. Harsh. <laughs> it's not. He said he wouldn't have minded if England won on Saturday. He I, said he sort of wanted them to win. I was a bit conflicted, to be fair.
3: So we had trials on Saturday. So yeah. I had to watch uh, the game in a briefing room just before we had our 2K test. Mm. First one in the year. And uh, obviously the day before we came fourth. And one of the boys was, you know, being an arrogant Englishman as usual. Mm-hmm. So he sat as far away from me as possible. The more the game went on, and like, yeah. and, uh, as you know, I struggled to turn around like past a point, and he sat like right in the dead spot, and I couldn't turn around to get like eye contact with him to wind him up. But yeah, I thoroughly enjoyed yeah watching South Africa beat.
0: That's not fair. We didn't give you an equal opportunity to like make fun of him. No, no,
3: no. <laughs> I think it was because I was going to get into his head before he had to do a two K test, which. He was not did you beat player. him on the 2K test anyway? Uh, no, because he has legs. <laughs> <laughs> you have them, right? Beat, I, beat, I beat him on percentage, but I didn't beat him on time. Right. So, How does you percentage uh, work? Uh, so there is a magical number, which I'm not allowed to reveal, Ooh. which are the what the coaches believe will take to win the gold medal at the next Olympic Games. And then mm-hmm. everything we do is based off that time, percentage, right. as a percentage of that time. Okay. So whether it's a training piece or whether it's a race like every Saturday we have internal squad racing mm-hmm. so everything will be off that time and then uh, you can compare boats like different classes of boats and different mm-hmm. abilities then because you're going off a percentage time rather than a time interesting. Yeah,
1: it's very interesting. how um
3: how accurate do you think that time is um I think uh, given that we've just now moved to 2k so this will be the first Paralympics over 2k for rowers it's taken Three or four years to dial that time in, but I think the time we've got now is probably what will win the gold, the gold medal. Really? Um, it's changed the last three years because you know it's been a new sport, so or a new not a new sport a new distance for the sport. So as that happens, you know our training volume increases, people get quicker because they train longer mm-hmm. for the longer race and yeah, yeah. all that kind of stuff. The world, yeah, the one k record or the one k time that won Rio, we all beat through the one k during the two k at world. So. So really, yeah, kind of. Well, exactly, it's out. like
0: relatively, it's a new sport, so
3: oh definitely distance, I yeah, guess. Yeah, so yeah. people are finding ways to train for the distance, and yeah, it's only since two thousand and eight it's been in the Paralympics, so pretty new sport. New,
1: oh, the worst sport to train for. Can you imagine how hard they're training this? So hard. Two <laughs> so yeah, uh, <laughs> k
2: row is one of the most horrible distances how, to drive How
3: often is it? Te- do you test? Uh, well, we internally race every every week, so yeah. it'll be over varying distances. This weekend, we've got a two by four k. That is the worst session. Really, ever. yeah, it's horrific.
0: Got two four k races.
3: Two by four k. So yeah, you do a four k and then have like five minutes and then another four k, um and then it'll be that'll be off a percentage time as well. Wow, but that is probably the worst session I. What would you winter.
0: do? Each one will be like twenty. 20- two minutes or something, something like that yeah oh,
3: we'll find out we'll find out it's
0: a it. long time on a own yeah
3: well it's, this is on the water but on the on the eggs the max we do is 5k and my like pb is like 21 something so well, that's a
0: war on the water the race
3: that's on the egg that is oh,
0: okay. so. how um
1: how hard is it in the first 30 to 60 seconds of that race so when, when you're testing you're like this, those that first sort of thirty to sixty seconds, how hard are you working?
3: So my biggest problem is that I go way too hard, way too early. Have mm-hmm. you so watch think, any
0: of Pritchard's qualifying races?
3: So the hardest thing for me is that I need to. If you don't go hard in that first thirty seconds, then you're you're not in the race. Mm-hmm. So you have to go hard in that first thirty seconds, but knowing where you're going too hard and not. So I, that's the bit I find difficult is going. Okay, this hurts, but it's not going to hurt me in three or four. You know, three or four minutes time. Yeah. But it's hurting enough to keep me in contention with the race. Uh-huh. So I think I did that well. I was, mm. but I think I got a, quick, a quicker start, bar one, in the in the world at the moment. So pretty excited. Yeah. In your well, semi, was it uh, your
0: quarter? Of the semi, it looked like you were in the wrong class because you went off so much faster. Than yeah, that you know, in <laughs> your quarter. The quarter, <laughs> yeah. yeah, the quarter
3: was uh, a semi probably. The quarter was a difficult one because I had the race against the Russian. Uh, but the the semi then it was I because I won my heat. I got preferential lane, and then I was seeing everyone else that didn't winner heat, so yeah yeah it kind of i led that from a, a little bit way out so I've think led it by my mm-hmm. 250 meter marker I had it and just had to stay on top of the time to go all the way to the end so, pretty happy with that
0: somebody won that yeah <laughs> yeah insane yeah. so the so, so. yeah. right then did you come prepared with a fact of the day
3: I did, and as we discussed, I'm an angry Welshman, so you know, Wales is true to my heart, and I am true to Wales. So <laughs> given that we're getting a load of crap off the English lot this week, I decided to give a Welsh fact of the day, and my fact of the day is that uh, Mount Everest is named after a Welshman, Colonel Sir George Everest, who was a Welsh geologist, and uh, I don't know why it's named after him, but I just know that it is named after him, so that that's my a, fact of the day.
2: That's a great
0: fact. It's an excellent fact. It's a great fact.
3: Hmm.
2: Done. So I,
0: <laughs> I wonder
1: why it's named after him. On, how
0: how he, let me did he the it. like topographical study that found it was the highest mountain in the world. I think. Did he? I wonder how. how
2: I think he much confirmed be, it as the highest mountain in the world. How much before um, he named it that it was actually climbed, like all the way to the top? I wonder what that this time hmm.
0: was. Oh, from the time he named it. Yeah. Uh, I think. Like within 100 years, because that's when people started trying to climb it.
1: Really? Yeah.
0: So I think it was like late 1800s it was named. Who was Northern the first
1: Everest. person to climb it? Edmund Hillary. Yeah. Is it really? Yeah.
0: It's great. Knowledge. And Tenjin the shipper.
1: Yeah. Who was the first person to try and fail? Uh, loads. I don't Many know. people. First
0: person. Maybe oh. that bloke. <laughs> Maybe Everest.
2: <laughs> Mr. Everest.
1: I've got another fact today. Snails sometimes sleep for three years.
0: Do they? How long do snails live?
1: Uh, Well, sometimes they sleep and then die. (laughs) (laughs) They sleep so long that they never wake up. But sometimes they do sleep for three years and then wake up in extreme conditions. Which is odd, because some of those extreme conditions are when it's really cold. But then at some point, over the next three years, it will not be really cold and they just stay asleep.
2: Maybe they just randomly end up somewhere really cold that's cold all the time.
1: (laughs) No, when it gets really cold, they just go into hibernation. Yeah. And they can sleep for up to three years. Um, but obviously, at some point during that time, it would become not winter, but they just stay hibernating.
3: Yeah. So going back to the Mount Everest fact, uh, George Everest had no direct connection with the mountain. Huh. However, his uh, protege Andrew Scott War, who made the first formal observations of the mountain, named it after him. Ah. So there you go.
0: What year was that? It's really That's really generous, isn't right? it? Yeah. yeah. Fang, <laughs> biggest mountain in the world, named it after his
3: mate. <laughs> no way would I name a mountain what? after I knew you two.
2: So, what would have been War Mountain otherwise? Well, there was three, apparently,
3: there was three local names, like local Hindi names for it. And they okay. decided to go with George Everest, because obviously Colonial times. play. Okay. Mount yeah. Jibbalara. <laughs> <laughs> Mount Morgan. <laughs>
1: that would be good <laughs> same
2: that I might do much less scary though
0: uh, so we've already rambled on a bit about the fact that you are quite a high-level athlete now but um if we go back yeah long 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 time your like first forays into training so um, I
3: think yeah my first four years into training were sailing as a very young young guy I was down at the mumbles Yacht club Sailed the sail to
0: Wales. I can purchase from Swansea too. <laughs> <laughs> so, I'm gonna do that whenever he mentions anything to do with Swansea. Excellent. So yeah. <laughs> so, <obnoxious>. <laughs> <laughs> so I sailed
3: for Wales and uh, G B up until like sixteen or seventeen. Um at the choice of going to either down to Weymouth to join the Central Programme or go into university and I chose to go to Bangor um, and kind of stepped away from it. But whilst also sailing I was doing cross country for school. And had a bit of an injury, so my then biology biology teacher, Mrs. Smith, said, "Why don't you give triathlon a go? You know you're a pretty decent swimmer, you're good at cross country. All you need to do is learn how to ride a bike." And I just started to do that. Mm. Took 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 uh, about three years to get actual good training behind me, and then ended up qualifying to represent GB at my age group for my first ever race. What bad
2: is it? Unbelievable.
3: <laughs> so that was at the yeah. So that was qualified qualifying to race at the Europeans in Turkey which was probably one of the hardest races I've ever done.
1: Really? How old were yeah. you then?
3: Uh, that was second year of you. <clears throat> Going into the second year of uni. 19, <laughs> so 1920. Mm-hmm. But it was, um, <clears throat> it was hot. Very hot. It was like 40 degree heat. Trying to do a 10k run in 40 degree heat is less than ideal. So they had, the best thing I've seen is uh, they literally had scaffolding poles with hosepipes on. Mm. Um, <laughs> with, like holes in it, just yeah, to yeah. allow you to cool down. But yeah, that was great.
0: When <laughs> Amy ran Bristol Half uh, a few weeks ago, they had that. Like just in one part of the course, you could just like run through it, yeah, and get, just soaking, like wet. To yeah. get
3: soaking wet, yeah, and cool you down because it was hot, really hot. Okay. Do you know what it? What it, forty degrees? Forty degrees, yeah,
0: warm that. Ali'd love it. I'd maybe. love it. Yeah.
3: <laughs> <laughs> the ride must have been amazing. The cycling was good, obviously, but the road surfaces in Turkey, as you can imagine, aren't aren't like tarmac. They are small paving blocks all the way. Yeah, oh. for the whole bike ride, so it was all like small paving blocks. So it was quite vibrating on a time trial bike when you're in you know, forearms extended position and you're on your tri bars and you're, like shaking like that. To, uh, it's surfaces like, like uh, that that make
0: me feel like I've got a
2: puncture all the time. Yeah, yeah. Well, what's the, so um, horrid.
0: What's the race in? The, is it Paris? Paris, Paris Roubaix. Roubaix? Yeah. yeah, and it's race like pretty much all on cobblestones. Oh, so cobblestones
1: the, um, yeah. the final stage of the tour, they just lap Paris, mm. and, and, and it's all it's all on that on 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 that road. It's just
0: like.
3: Horrid. Horrific. And I sprinted yeah. in at like 50 miles per hour. So yeah, and then um, I got a full-time job. So I realized that my calf injury kind of stayed around for a little bit and I wasn't running at the speeds I used to see. So, you know, 60-minute 5K, it was just never happening again. And I kind of took the decision that I could try and train for a triathlon and just have fun doing it, which is I have no problem with people doing. However, when you've been competitive, the last thing you want to do is just see your times getting slower and slower yeah, yeah. and slower. So I kind of looked at which of the three sports I enjoyed the most and which ones I could balance alongside working full-time in London. And I chose cycling and it was the one thing I enjoyed most, you know, you could get out with a group of mates, you know, 12 mates and you'd go out for six hours, have all the cake you wanted and you were still training. I think (laughs) I see, you know, I got to see a lot of nice places on my bike, even in this country that you didn't, you know, you drive past and you wouldn't have anything of it, but when you're on your bike, you just added a little bit of extra, I don't know, something Mm -hmm. and it made me really enjoy going out and I remember the first time I actually went for a long ride. It was in Swansley again. Um Swansea. You know, like, <laughs> Do you know where Park Mill is? And you've got yeah. the hill coming out of Park Mill towards North Gar Road. Yeah. Uh, there's like a, an old well there. And I did the I was I was sixteen and I did the first ride and it was like twenty five miles. Got home and I was That was amazing dad. You know, I really loved it. I'm gonna go back I'm gonna go out again tomorrow. And I got to there. I just completely and utterly bonked, like ran out of yeah. all my energy, nothing, no phone dad. You can pick me up. It's just a every time I drive past it. <laughs> That's why I first had my first massive bonk when I was cycling. Um but yeah, the reason why I got into cycling is when I went out to that European Games or oh, the European Championships uh, in Turkey, I met uh, five other guys that were also doing age group triathlon and um Dan Bigham, Sam Brand, Dean Watson, Tom Stead, Owen Mitchell, and Neil Tandy. And when you're in the age group system, it's all self-funded, so you have to fund it all this. You know, it's only until you get to like the Olympic level, you start to get UK sport funding. So we were paying for our flights, paying for our bikes, paying for everything we were doing. And we kind of sat down on the beach one day and we were like, why Why are we doing this? Like, why are we always paying? Why don't we go try and find our own sponsors? Or why don't we set up our own triathlon team? Which is what we ended up doing. We called it the tri-pack. Uh, it was. It started as swim pack because Dan Bigham can't swim. Uh, he's a very good cyclist. He's a very good cyclist now. He rides. There's been some documentaries on him. but He's got world yeah. records and yeah, he, he beats the GB team quite regularly. He rides for a team now called Who What Bike. Really? Yeah, and he owns his, He's an aerodynamicist. Uh, my nickname for him is King of the Geeks. <laughs> uh, he. How well do you know? Very well. Can we get him on the podcast? Yeah, I reckon we could be up for it. We're Excellent, for it. <laughs> King of the Geeks. He, he's an aerodynamicist, and he did his uh, like dissertation on a uh, bush spring for Formula One cars and how you can make it aerodynamic to save like point zero 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 one of a second.
0: So, like King of the Geeks <laughs> is a
3: very apt name, and he's now turned that uh, aerodynamic, you know, his his passion into cycling and using that against the the system yeah because he's slightly a bit older he's not the tick box what a cyclist should look like GB will never select him so he he set out his own thing and done his own team now and he's proven everyone wrong it's really exciting to watch actually That's so but because he couldn't swim we were all sat on the beach and he was like oh yeah we should call it swim pack because I'll have to catch you guys that can swim because he obviously had the fastest bike of the day he's loves cycling Hmm. and uh, yeah we went from there we got our own sponsors zone three true start coffee which are based in Bristol and then yeah we went from there and we all kind of filtered off into cycling and took it yeah just went up and up and up and That's started really to really cool.
0: enjoy it so has uh trading you, gen lose it always had like a competitive edge was it always like with the view of like doing something competitive yeah i
3: think i'm a very competitive person at heart and i think no i don't <laughs> i don't i don't do things unless i want to be the well. best be the best i can be yeah. at it, and uh Whereas my brother Sam, he's you know a phenomenal rugby player, but he doesn't really have the drive to do it competitively. He just enjoys playing rugby with his mates. You yep. know, and people have said he's like one of the, one of the best local rugby guys that he could they play with, and he's just like I can't be bothered to take it anywhere. He just enjoys playing with his friends. Whereas for me, that would be like, what the hell are you doing? Yeah. Like, why <laughs> aren't you trying? You know. And but everyone does things for their own reason, and everything does sport for their own their own passion. You know, and mine is to try and beat everyone else. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Our younger brothers look so similar that sometimes I think they're morphing into the same <laughs> as soon as time <laughs> yeah. goes by. They got to well, one. Sam's got a slightly better beard than Harry.
3: <laughs> yeah, it got to one point where Sam looked like a shit version of the Aquaman. <laughs> 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 he did uh, a season out in Colorado just gone. Um, we went there skiing in 2017, and uh, with an organisation called the Boec, and it's a charity that teaches disabled people of all kinds how to ski. Whether it's mental disability or physical disability, and I loved it so much that before I'd even come home, I booked to go again uh, without asking mm-hmm. for time off work. And um, I looked at like prices for ski pass hire and everything, and um, it was like an extra thousand pounds just for ski pass hire. And uh, <laughs> so I'm just getting a hug off Ali. Ali's got to go
0: now, unfortunately. <laughs> okay. um, I'm really sad. This is going to be a great. I know one. I'm
3: really sad as well.
0: Yeah. I will definitely we'll catch up, do up again, again. yeah am sure. sure. Thanks so much
3: for coming down, mate. No worries, man. Uh-huh. Thank you. Uh, yeah, so I looked at Ski Pass High and it was like a £1,000 extra. So I just sent a cheeky email off to the organisation saying, would you want to volunteer for a week? And they said yes. And then he got a job off the back of it. So he was out there for six months last year where he decided to grow his hair to shoulder length like like H. Yeah. Uh, decided to stop using deodorant. <laughs> <laughs> uh, just turned into a real shit version of the Aquaman. And I'll show you a photo of him later on Instagram. And you Maybe
0: instead of a photo of you, like... Being really good at sports, we use a photo of Sam. So, the one that you did yeah. for his birthday would be like Yeah, the, the, one, with the, sun, the one with the
3: sunflower. And yeah, my mum took that photo as well. That's the worst thing about that photo is that my mum suggested it to him. So, we'll
0: definitely include that with the yeah. podcast. Yeah,
3: there's a worm's head, uh, and they have like they also grow sunflowers, and and it's like a massive tourist attraction. So my mum took Sam there, and she suggested that he got his kit off to have a photo with a sunflower <laughs> above his tackle, but um around the corner was like quite some young kids and their family, like a family with young kids. And my mum was saying to my 24 year old brother to get his kit off. And <laughs> it was just so you know, a dodgy situation. But um, there we go. That's
0: Swansea. <laughs> Don't worry, they came on the corner. It's okay. I'm his mum. It's fine. <laughs>
3: <laughs> so yeah, I like to bring that photo up whenever I can.
0: <laughs> um, but then, so you were like cycling at quite a high level at that point. Was it just cycling you were doing? So, so, so I
3: turned to just cycling because it was the easiest sport to manage yeah. alongside work. Um, and how cycling works is you start at zero points. And then you have like different categories. categories. And if you, you start as a fourth cat, which is zero points, and it's basically you race against people of your own skill level. So somebody that is a lower skill level can't damage somebody that that knows what they're doing or you know is unpredictable when they're riding. Yeah. And you need 12 points, or I think it was 10 when I started cycling, but it's now gone up to 12, because what would happen is you could win a race and go straight up to the next category, whereas they thought, no, you need more than one race behind you before yeah. you can progress. So it's gone up to 12, and then it's like 24, 50, 100, 300, 500 to yeah. get up to the elite levels, like Team Sky and all that. Um, so I started to go up go up the ranks, and I was like th- four or three points away from getting my Cat 2 license. Um, but as such, you could start to discuss with like shop teams and Semi-pro teams, you know, would you was one was ride on a team, and, you know, I was about to sign a contract, and then unfortunately, which we'll get onto later, I guess that I had an accident. Well,
0: so, let's go on to it now.
3: Yeah, so 10th of September, 2016. Like I just said, I was chasing points, you know, to try and get that second cat license, um, which opens up.
0: So Any race. But in, in, in a race. race, yeah.
3: So it opens up bigger races for you. You know, you know like longer, longer distance races, stage races. Yeah. Having a cat two license allows you to do multi, multiple day races. Um, but I went down to this race in Brands Hatch, which was an omnium, which meant you could was, an omnium is on a track. It's normally a track race where you have different disciplines on the track and you get points. Yeah. Overall, and the person that wins it, Mark Cavendish does the omnium. Yeah. Uh, uh, Viviani as well, and that kind of stuff. So that the
0: one where they chase a the little motorbike.
3: No, 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 no. So there. an omnium will have like a, it's like a bunch race basically, but lots of different things within that: sprint and okay. elimination race and scratch race, all that kind of stuff. But on the road you did it as a time trial yeah uh then we had a crit race which is like a an hour long bunch race and then we had a road race which was over two and a half hours so excuse me and uh in the you got points the best thing about this day was you got points for each race but then you also got points for the overall position so yeah. being two or three points away from your second cat i was like oh this is a good opportunity to go go and get my points yeah and i think i finished in the time trial like i started warming up and pretty good and time trial was kind of my special specialty given mm-hmm. triathlon and that's yeah. basically what the middle section of the triathlon is yeah and i went out and i think i came 13th or 12th which i was really happy with given the riders that were yeah. there and then the crit race came and i thought right, i'm going to save my legs here and go for the road race which was a couple you know in the afternoon then went out in the road race and it started to rain it wasn't a great day and i remember actually i missed the start of the road race because i had a puncture so i had to change my wheel you're allowed to lap out so yeah. i had a lap out Changing my wheel, got onto the race. Bosch, off you go. And there was three or four crashes throughout the race. And then, unfortunately, uh, Brian. I don't know if any of you've seen Brands Hatch race circuit, but mm-hmm. as like you go through the start grid, then you go down a hill, up a hill, and then into a hairpin, which then goes down a quite a steep descent into an open left hander. But being an open left hander, you could take that pretty much full whack, and then you know just go onto the straight afterwards. And it was about I don't know thirty something minutes into the race. I was in the lead bunch of thirteen riders and. Yeah, unfortunately, coming down that hill, I just lost a wheel and landed awkwardly. And I got up, I remember getting up to my feet and then uh, apparently I managed to get to the side of the road. And then as I got to the side of the road, I just felt that I had no power in my legs and I was just like- Want.
0: But you could, you managed to get yeah, up Yeah, so, well,
3: it. you know, in a, I got told, so I, I had, had a load of like discussions with lawyers and stuff about what I was gonna do. Uh, the stories, I, I can't remember my crash, but obviously all of my stories now are from what people have told me. Mm. And then uh, just recently, mm-hmm. I've actually watched the CCTV. So it's this is I'm trying to tell you what the CCTV says, not yeah. what I remember. So this, I was told that from people that I stood up and then went straight back down to the floor. Yeah. But what the CCTV shows is that I get up, walk like two steps to the side of the road, and then go down. So like my spinal injury is very weird, but uh, yeah, it's pretty pretty uh, pretty harrowing. So I remember falling to the floor, mm-hmm. and just feeling super cold. And that was the last thing I can remember is just I felt really cold for ages and then i really needed a week that was the next <laughs> thing i remember about my accident is that i was sat in the ambulance and then um, there's a photo on my instagram which i'll send the boys but i'm in a head brace and i took a photo and it was the last thing i did so i took a photo and i just went completely unconscious but i sent a photo to my boss saying i'm not going to work tomorrow this is you know this is how serious it is yeah but that's the last thing i remember and then i woke up to the paramedic rubbing my chest and you know making sure i was a, and yeah. I, you know, basically all saying <clears throat> hello, run my chest, um, but then from that point, when he woke me up, all I could remember was really needing a wee, uh, so my body body had gone into, I uh, can't remember the word for it, uh, can't remember the word, but basically it wouldn't let urine go, Yeah. Um, uh, can't remember the word, but, but so I really needed a wee, and I remember laying in the hospital, you know, when you're waiting for scans, and you go through all these scans, and you're in the waiting, you're not in a ward, but you're in like a waiting ward, I remember buzzing so much. I was like, I really need to go to the toilet. Like I could really feel needing to go to the toilet, but I just couldn't go. And they kept draining me and I was draining like 1.5 liters of urine at a time,
0: oh but they, like,
3: as soon as they drained me, my body would just fill up with some liquid and then just be like, Oh my God, I really need to. wee. And then obviously as they realized what was happening, it yeah. meant that my spine was gone into spinal stroke or actually what had happened is I overstretched my spinal cord to a point now where I'll never recall.
0: Yeah.
3: Uh, so I've got a very rare injury where I didn't actually break any vertebrae in my back oh, so wow, I didn't okay. need any spinal surgery because I didn't break any vertebrae
0: Yeah,
3: it was more like when you get an elastic band and you
0: stretch actually your elastic band the
3: and then it loses the elasticity so if I was a kid or a baby I would grow into my spinal cord but I might not gain full control of my legs again but I'd be able to like regain stuff as my body grew into that yeah. elasticity but because I'm now 27 years old and fully grown it's very unlikely that that will happen I always say very unlikely because i hope that in one day in my life i might walk again yeah i'm never gonna let go of that hope because everyone says like would you change it No. You know I, and everyone said like, why wouldn't you change it and i said well yeah. it's made me who i am now you know you spend six months in the hospital or three months in the hospital and three months at home questioning yourself you learn a lot more about yourself i've become mm-hmm. a lot more confident in who i am because of this accident so i wouldn't change it but would you get if somebody said can you ride your bike tomorrow I'd Be like yeah please let me let me ride my bike or yeah stand up you yeah. know you no know, we just went to your wedding the other day you know and i would love to be able to have my first dance standing up on legs yeah you know that kind of stuff so of course i'd like to do the use of my legs back but would i change everything else yeah. i've done post yeah, that yeah, yeah. no probably not so
0: how um were you sort of aware as they were doing the scans and stuff that's no. like, <laughs> sort of majorly no is, so like
3: uh, you know you have cra- as a cyclist you have crashes all the time you know i've done my collarbone i've you know, banged my hips, I've yeah. done loads of things. Um, maybe that maybe I wasn't a very good cyclist if I crashed this <laughs> right like, I had a lot no, of crashes.
0: Is like cyclists are like really common, isn't it? especially like collarbones. Collarbones is, is really
3: common, you know, you go out, fall over, you put your hand out, bosh, your collarbone goes. Yeah. Um, so horrid. But I remember my old teammate, a guy called uh, Drew, I used to live with him as well. Uh, that was the worst thing, I, I was the nominated driver that day. so i drove our team down and then they were stuck there <laughs> i'm gonna <get> hazard <laughs> a guess it's
0: not the worst thing that happened <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 but, but you know what i mean said so that my team had to find a new way back yeah. back home because yeah. my car
3: was stuck at Brands hatch um but he came to hospital with me and you know and he was like oh i need to phone your parents he's like no 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 no. it's gonna be fine like we're racing tomorrow because we had another race the next day i was like we're racing tomorrow like don't worry like we'll be out of here it's fine you know i'll be fine tomorrow whatever and then as the night wore on I kinda of realised my I still can't feel my legs. You know, I still can't
0: Had you not had that thought or you just really needed a I pain think up to that point?
3: Yeah, it was like I was focusing on the fact that I really needed the toilet and um I I've said it, you know, there's many articles on me online, but I've said it that the first time I cried, I think the first time I realised that this was a new life for me was when I had to go to a sports session I a hospital. We'll get onto it, I'm sure, but had to get to a sports session and there was a sign saying it was cancelled and that was the first time that the emotion of the whole three weeks prior to that just hit me um okay. but i remember drew having to phone my mum and my mum was out uh like oh, where was she she was out for a romantic meal with my dad you know And she picked up the phone and yeah that was it she yeah kind of ruined that night which is not great <laughs> yeah.
2: were, you, were you in pain at all or
3: no weirdly no pain like uh well yeah obviously pain i have just crashed but yeah, no pain, which would allude to the fact that I've just lost the feel, like lost the motion of my legs, and yeah. that's the weird thing is because I've lost the feeling, I guess I lost the pain. Yeah. Like around my back was really sore, but I just I put that down to I just just on crashed. My back, yeah. 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 yeah, you're gonna be sore. But um, the worst thing about my injury now is the uh, neuropathic pain. Okay. So what happens is is your body sends your signals down to where you know like a normal brain, like move my leg. And uh, or move your leg or whatever, and your brain does it automatically, and then it goes all the way to your leg. But at the moment, what happens is that signal gets to a point in my body and then can't go any further. So it sends out like a pain signal or like a a signal that isn't great anyway. So some people get it in like a, a warm patch on their skin, yep. their skin will be really warm. Mine's like a constriction, and it feels like somebody's tightening my rib cage all the time. Uh, and uh, yeah. They do. They can give you tablets on it, and I was on tablets for a lot of time. And it, like you know, I know you have a seven out of seven pain, the you know, rating system. but yeah. Out of a ten system, this was a nine. The you know, neuropathic yeah, pain yeah. was a nine out of ten. But even with the tablets, it was only like a four, four or five. It didn't take it away. Yeah. So last year, I made the decision to come off them because I was like, oh, do you know what? I just need to, you know, because taking three tablets, I take more than three tablets a day. But taking three tablets a day from the age of twenty-four to the age of whatever I might be on the Mm pass away, it's going to be a lot of tablets and a lot of badness going into your body, a lot of chemical change in your body. So I made the decision to cut back on all my tablets other than one. Is
0: that pretty much constant then? that
3: uh, It is. It's a weird one because it's like, they say it's not controlled by the mind, but the more you distract yourself, the less you feel it. So that's kind of what I do, I guess, because I'm such a busy person. It's only when I'm like sat down here or sat down on the sofa, you're like, oh, actually, I'm really sore. And -hmm. that's what it feels like. It's like, oh, I feel really tight and I can't, can't get loose, yeah. So it's like a, I don't know, it's an annoyance rather than a,
2: yeah.
3: Like, oh, I broke my neck pain, no.
2: Yeah, yeah. Do you feel it when you're rowing now?
3: No, Because no. you're distracted, you're thinking about everything else, and that's yeah. what I asked the doctor about. I said, "Why does it go away when you're doing things?" He said, oh, "It's just how the body is. You know, your body's not focusing on it because yeah. your body's focusing on everything else you're doing. But then when you're sat down, your body's like, oh what's that pain? Why? Why do I feel pain now?'" Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. So. How? Um, w- at what point? Uh, how long after? the accident and then all the scans and stuff did someone come and tell you that
3: yeah so this is the interesting thing bad. because I went to King's College Hospital first and like I said I've got a very rare spinal injury so I went to King's College Hospital and up until that point no one had ever thought that I wouldn't walk again people were saying no, oh you might walk or no oh, you're definitely going to walk again or that was but, the news so I was really you know, I suppose because
0: like on the scans you didn't you can't have see any a break in the bit. back yeah, yeah. yeah
3: so and then uh you know and I the issue as well, like we, uh, one of the tests for a spinal injury is they basically prod your back. Like you lay, they lay you down, you put a blindfold on, and then they get a print prick, and they literally go from your, your skull all the way down to your feet, right? And they go, Can you feel this? Yes. No. Yes. No. Yes. No. Yes. No. Yes. No. Right? Hmm. All the way down your body <clears throat> in different places. And it got to a point where sometimes I'd be able to feel it, and sometimes I wouldn't, and sometimes I would be, you know. So there's a lot of inconsistency in the original test. And then I got to. Stoke Mandeville, or got referred to Stoke Mandeville, which was a spinal unit, uh, the home of the Paralympic Games as well. Pretty cool, pretty cool place to go if you're a sporty person. Yeah. And that's when they confirmed then. So I think I arrived. So for the first four weeks of my rehab life, I didn't actually know that I'd never walk again. It was always like you might not walk again, or you know, you might walk with crutches, or you might walk with sticks, yep. or it was never <clears> you're never gonna walk again. And I got there. And I got there on a Thursday, mid mid morning make what, what, you know. Yeah, seven, so 12, before, well.
0: how um how did you sort of feel that sort of four weeks where Well for the fit I can't you, were you just like I, I can't really walking
3: again and I like, thought that you could- Yeah. Like I was like I'm definitely gonna be walking again. Yeah. Those three weeks or four weeks uh, I was on a lot of medication, like a lot of morph mm. morphs, and, you know, I was basically not with it for four weeks in yeah. my life. And there's photos that my mum has got which I haven't really seen but of me like not being able to lift my head off a pillow
0: mm.
3: and stuff like that because Obviously, if you've got you know, where you're, you guys know, your PTs and strength and conditioning coaches, but when you bend your body, you don't just use your neck, you use other muscles yeah, in your yeah. back. And obviously, I'd lost the ability to control those. So I couldn't get my head off a pillow and stuff like that. So my mom's got all these photos. Couldn't get out of bed without assistance and all that kind of stuff. But I can't really remember it. That's the weird yeah, thing yeah, is that yeah. all this bad stuff is happening, but you can't remember it because you're so high on drugs left, right, and center that you just, those four weeks were a blur. Uh, the one thing I do remember is that I got repatriated to my local hospital in order to go to Stoke Mandeville Hospital. And that was for like a period of three days. And I got put on a ward of just like general medical complaints, you know, people with dementia, yeah. people like a like a major injury unit, but a minor injury unit at the same time.
0: Yeah.
3: And the guy opposite me had a really bad dementia and he kept trying to get in my bed. But obviously being a paralysed person, I couldn't move away from him. I was like trying to get out of the bed. Oh but I couldn't and I remember phoning my mum in tears and I was like mum I just can't do it like I, you know I need to get out of this hospital because somebody's yeah, trying to yeah, get my yeah. bed and she was like you know it's not his fault he's got dementia yeah, he has yeah, no yeah. idea what he was doing but as a, somebody that can't move it was like yeah. oh my god I'm stuck and that, I think yeah. that was a realisation of actually you yeah, know, sort the of you fight yeah. or flight kind of thing I couldn't even fight I couldn't even move yeah. so I had to stay there and I was like well I had to fight so I couldn't flight because yeah. I was stuck there so I had to like what do I do yeah. um and then, yeah, so I arrived to Stoke Mountain on a Thursday. Uh, and you kind of get there, you have a you know, quick appointment with the doctor. Physio comes into the room um, and like discusses how the rehab process is going to work with you. Gives you like a school timetable, which I've said before. But you get a school timetable school time with different slots on it for doctors, physio, scans, whatever. And then I remember we were in this cubicle. It was me and my mum. My mum was sat to my right. My dad was sat on the end of my bed and the physio was kneeling down on the floor between my mum and my dad. And we had the curtain around us, the soundproof, smellproof curtains in hospitals, my favourite thing. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, uh, I got some funny story. You know, this is all morbid. I literally, it didn't
0: <laughs> quite sink in then. And I was like, really? i <laughs> like, yeah this, is, yeah, this is all
3: morbid, but we'll get onto the fun part of rehab in a minute. But um, And I remember the registrar, officer, you know, came in, literally pulled the curtain back maybe three or four inches and said, Oh, by the way, we've reviewed your scan, so you're not gonna walk again Closed the curtains and walked off. Literally as quick as that. And oh um I, th- I, I I almost don't believe you that like is yeah. it's like No, a- but I suspect she'd obviously had a conversation with my mum and dad beforehand. I don't know, my mum and dad have never said but to me, it was quick as that, "Do you want a cup of tea?" Like literally, it was oh as quick as God. that. I've said that in articles before, so people are probably bored of hearing it. But it was generally as quick as that. And I looked at the physio, and the physio said, "Well, it's better to rip a plaster off than to leave you guessing for that long." Yeah. But when she said it, you kind of know that that's the truth because you're in this mm. spinal unit, you know, the, the national spinal unit. You know, so yeah. you're, you're in the best place with the best consultants, the best registrars. And I kind of thought, okay, well, now we need to work on a plan of making the most out of it rather than. Rather than dwelling on it. Yeah. Um, and we we just. How, how
0: quick was that process in your head?
3: Instantly. Really? Yeah.
0: That's very that's fucking impressive. Man. <laughs> <laughs> it,
3: and like, you know, everyone said it can't be instantly. And I'm not denying that I have bad days now. Yeah, like, of yeah. course you have bad days. But my mindset was okay, right. If that's the case, then I'm not going to be reliant on everyone else. I need to know how I can yeah. do the best I can to make the most out of my life because I don't want to keep relying on my mum and dad or. People, because I'm just not that way inclined. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm very stubborn, so I guess that my mom will say, "Yes, you're very stubborn." So that will probably be what the reason why i was so yeah. focused. Um, but we joked about the soundproof, smellproof curtains, and the reason I tell you that is because when you're in a spinal unit, there are some things you can't do for yourself initially, like go to the toilets. Yeah. Uh, both number ones and number twos for the. So the first joke I have about being in the spinal <laughs> unit is that. Um, I was laying on a, this is after I got told I was never going to walk again. I was on the end, end bay of St. David's Ward in Stoke Mandeville. Uh, this is for people that have been there. But I was on the end bay of St. David's Ward and I had uh, the nurse there. And it was the first time my indwelling catheter had been changed since I had one in. And I remember the nurse coming over and being like, oh, you know, for those that don't know what an indwelling catheter is, it's a catheter that goes inside your willy and doesn't, st- doesn't move, doesn't get taken away. And then they change it when they need to change it. Mm. Uh, but it was the only way I could go to the toilet and uh, the nurse comes over and I think he had some like, Caribbean descent in him and he spoke in the you know, that accent I'm not going to do the accent but he had that accent he came over saying I'm going to change your catheter now and I looked at him I like, to, and I said are you going to anaesthetic in the, in the that area and he was like no if you need that then you're in the wrong hospital <laughs> and I was like what do you mean he was like well if you can feel it then you shouldn't be here <laughs> and anyway he literally <laughs> grabbed my my willy in one hand grabbed the catheter <laughs> and the just, other, and just pulled out and I was like looking at him going <laughs> like this shouldn't be that Like i should be i should be able to feel this but i was looking at him going oh no i can't feel it you know it's fine but, um, <laughs> do later i like phantom like imagine <laughs> yeah <laughs> but, uh, one of the tests actually to, to determine so you, you have this asia scale the test i was telling you about earlier which is the pinmbroke test is called the asia scale when mm. you do that and then part of that you have asia a b c or d a which is what i am complete well i actually fall between an a and a b i think but a is complete and the test for that is uh reflexes in your anus and uh, frontal area so one test for that is by pulling pulling the catheter and if you if your thing twitches then obviously you're not an a because you can feel it but obviously i couldn't so that was the first yeah. one and then the soundproof and smell proof one is because uh when you can't go to the toilet for yourself you have a nurse that comes trying to put a suppository in for you uh, uh this is like 5am every day yeah. without fail 5am every day even when you it's can go to the toilet. It's not bad
0: enough that you have to have a nurse come around to put a suppository in to go to the toilet. They do it at five. They wake up at five for it as <laughs> well. Five a.m. every morning,
3: without fail, Saturday, Sunday, they come in, they put the suppository in, they leave you for half an hour, they come back and they collect whatever comes out, Yeah. Yeah. Uh, even when you can do it yourself. <laughs> The other people in your wards can't do it themselves so at 5am you wake up to the smell of everyone else's shit going around Aww. you uh, and then what makes it worse is the, the same nurse will come around at 7am with your breakfast so, like, <laughs> yeah, so you know me and, uh, I mean I was very lucky enough to share a bed with a guy called or share a uh, ward with a guy called Mike um, both similar ages and he is the same level injury as me but he can walk um he crashed his motorbike uh, and is incomplete so he's able to walk but has really bad drop drop foot so he yeah. has braces on his legs to help him walk around crashed at very similar speeds he had leathers in the back brace on i had two millimeters mm-hmm. of lycron um but we we basically spent the three months together and we became, we became thick as steves and you know we had like little jokes about the soundproof smellproof curtain or all
2: yeah.
3: this kind of hospital <laughs> trivia that goes on and yeah it was whilst it was a very sad time it was also as far as it could be, I guess we made it as fun as we could, we could make it yeah. and you make friendships there that you'll ne- not make anywhere yeah. else. You yeah, know, I've got sure. three very good friends that I made from that hospital that will be lifelong friends. Mm. Yeah.
0: Uh, one
3: of, one of, one of which is why I'm rowing, you know, what, one of those guys is the reason why I row.
0: So how, um, let's go through sort of like that rehab process. And like, did you know straight away that you wanted to get back involved in some kind of sport? Uh,
3: at some point, yes. Uh, you had a it was weird in, a, in each room you had a, a whiteboard yeah and they asked you to write your five goals on there and mine was get back to work get back to family life get back into sport live independently and i can't remember what the fifth one was but those goals were there and getting to sport was there from the very first moment yeah. you know not maybe not competitive sport but mm-hmm. then like i said earlier i do sport All to be competitive is, yeah. so I guess it was going to end up that way, but sport was definitely key to me, and I think it was the only reason I survived those three months of rehab. Yeah. Um, like I said, I, I went to Stoke Mandeville Hospital, which was the National Spinal Centre and also the birthplace of the Paralympic Games. So they also play like uh, put a huge emphasis on the the benefit yeah. of sport could could give a rehab I mean, patient. Yeah. You know, even if it was just you know going out and pushing in a wheelchair in a gym rather than yeah. sitting in the hospital bed all day, you know, yeah. they they saw great benefits from it and I'm very lucky that I went to that hospital, I guess.
0: So how soon did you uh like get involved in sport again
3: and- so like I said, you know, you had that planner, yeah. uh, which was and I remember joking actually, you get that planner, it's like, you know, all these different things and on Monday afternoon and I think it was Thursday afternoon you had sport or Tuesday and Thursday or Monday and Wednesday, something like that. You had sport in the afternoon. And I was like, right, okay, if you can just get to that sport session then you'll be fine. Mm-hmm. I got there and it was cancelled and that's when all the emotions of everything hit me
0: I remember you saying you like
3: bored my eyes out literally bored my eyes out you know the most I've ever cried and people would walk past me in the corridor like it was normal like you know I guess people were too afraid to stop and say like are you okay or you know I I don't know I don't know they just walked past me but I was uh, my very lowest point was that moment in Mm -hmm. hospital um
2: and how, how long after they told you that you never, how was that the week so that, after? So the Thursday
3: was when they told me mm. I'd never walk again and that might have been the Monday or Tuesday okay. following that Thursday. Yeah. yeah. But I remember in the lead up to that, uh, I got out into my wheelchair and it was one of the very first days I could push a wheelchair by myself and pushing myself from here to Guy's kitchen doorway. What's that, about four metres, five metres? Less yeah. than.
0: two yeah. metres. <laughs> Less yeah. than.
3: And I was in a puddle of sweat. Yeah. I was like, yeah. how do Paralympians do it? Because... Mm-hmm. I, push in I
0: can from the, confirm um, that using your wheelchair is quite difficult as i found out numerous times <laughs> when I'm drunk. And you're able-bodied. <laughs> yeah. <right? So> like, <laughs> and I have control. Yeah,
3: and I got into this chair and I was like, how do they train for competitive sport and also live their life? But obviously, as I've got used to being in a wheelchair, yeah. it's enabled me to train better. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it was basically, they throw you straight in. You know, you get this timetable and if you want to go to those sports sessions, you can. And if you If you don't want to, you don't have to, you know, but I found it great benefit of going there. And we had a great laugh and played wheelchair basketball, wheelchair rugby, wheelchair fencing. I've swam, uh, obviously rode, uh, weightlifting. And, uh, you know, just you try all the different sports. And it was great yeah. insight into different sports that you could do. Uh,
0: what were you good at and what was your worst? Everything. Uh, ever, ever, now? <laughs> <laughs> uh,
3: I hate table tennis and, p- and yeah. badminton. I used to joke that badminton's not a sport because your heart rate doesn't get above 150. <laughs> uh, maybe that's because I'm playing badminton wrong. But I used to hate badminton. Um, that was the worst session I did there. My favorite was my favorites were the wheelchair basketball and wheelchair rugby because yeah. you were in a team and in a team environment yeah, yeah, yeah. and you could all go through it together. And it was just good fun. Just, you know, mm. la- belly laughing. And it was a moment... Those hours where we were playing wheelchair basketball or wheelchair rugby, we weren't disabled. We were just mates playing playing sport. Playing sport, you know, like you guys would pass a rugby ball around or whatever. Yeah, that was the same as what we were doing in our week of rehab. I it kind of took, and the best thing about it was, is the the gym unit at Stoke Mandeville is away from the hospital, so you have to push to the gym, which is downhill, and then you go to the, do the sports session. Then you have to push up. But the best thing is you're removing yourself from the hospital environment
0: yeah, yeah go into yeah, yeah. the
3: sport environments they never feel the same
0: yeah even
3: though you're doing rehab it's a complete disconnect and i i thought that was a real i don't know whether they did it you know on purpose or what. Yeah. but i found that was a great benefit to me because when i was out the hospital and in that gym i was with my mates having fun i wasn't worrying about how life was going to be in a wheelchair or whatever i was just doing a sport yeah That's cool.
0: so how did you um end up finding rowing
3: so i uh, not in those sports sessions but on a choose- Tuesday. this was definitely a tuesday morning uh the first session i did on my rehab thing was a 500 meter row and then a yeah. 250 meter row and every patient did that regardless of your right. disability that was what was on your tuesday morning sessions yeah um and i hated it absolutely despised it and uh it wasn't until john cook who is the guy i told who got me into rowing Told me that there was a leaderboard behind the physio's door. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, was, uh, I, I was like, right, okay, there's a leaderboard, and I'm I think I'm number three on the leaderboard. <laughs> I'm number three on the leaderboard, but the other two have le- like full function sliding legs, yeah. so they, they they don't have full function in their legs, but they can use the slide use in it. a row yeah. machine. Whereas I can't, I just use yeah. my arms. So I was very happy with. Reaching yeah, you're my left. horrible left. Yeah. <laughs> is, you know, if you look at how how to lift or how to load a spine, do not look at how I row, because that is not a good way to load a spine. <laughs> that is running all the way through one point of your spine and yeah. it's gonna go pop one day, I guess. But we'll wait. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: so, yeah. But, uh, so what sort of happened from the from hating it to wanting?
3: So yeah, that leaderboard is obviously a big drive. Yeah. Um but British Rowing do this really cool like outreach programme where they came to the hospital on a in an evening like an after-school club, and it was done by quite a lot of NGBs. They would come, or national government bodies, Uh, like wheelchair fencing came in, Uh, we did darts, we did hand cycling, you know, all these kind of people came in outside of hours because once you're medically fit and you're only doing the rehab part of your life, Mm. you're free to go home. It It was quite a weird concept, as you were in the hospital in the daytime, but in the evenings you could do what you wanted. You could go to the pub, you could go to restaurants, you could go out with your mates, but obviously a lot of my mates lived in either London or Wales, so mm-hmm. South Wales, neither close to that, either of those. So I was stuck basically in the hospital. So I made the best use of the after-school facilities. You know, the, I literally called it the after-school. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but British Rowing came in like one of the first weeks I was in hospital, and then they like did their own little testing. You know, but they don't disguise it as a test. They like say, "Oh, let's have like a little bit of a competition." You know what? Yeah. So I tried that. You sort was, of
0: buy in much more to that. Straight yeah, yeah. Oh,
3: <laughs> rubbish. Com- honestly, <laughs> no, I was dog shite completely rubbish and then
0: did they give you um like any sort of standard beforehand no 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 no.
3: but you just like you can just tell you're rubbish right i I was rubbish (laughs) and then they came in the week i got discharged on the 23rd of december and they came in the week prior to that and i'd improved massively so then i think i just started discharged on the 23rd of december and on the 21st of december i was getting my classification to be able to train and go to trials so the physio actually liv skenner drove me from hospital to the Cavisham Centre to get my classification, so that I could go to trials in January. So oh. that was before I'd even left hospital. I was being year earwig to go trial for GB. Um, the coach, me and the coach actually spoke the other day, and I said, you know, I don't know. It took me three years to really get any speeds rowing either yeah. on the egg or on the boat. On the boat, and he was like, you just got to remember. And I was like, I used to get frustrated about it because I was, you know, quite active and. Yeah. I'd say I was a good athlete beforehand. I was like, why are my times not comparable? Like, what what is going on? He was like, Ben, you've you've come from a dead stop in your life. It's not as if you've had two weeks off cycling, you had six months, and you've lost half the function in your body. Yeah. Like, you need to realize that you came from a dead stop in your life. So it's gonna take two to three years to get to any kind of competitive level. And last year, I managed to hit that level, I guess. The training training history or training volume was there that my body would okay, go, okay, now we can put some speed onto it as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, that's pretty exciting. But he said I'm one of two people he's ever had come to them before discharge. So that's pretty exciting. It's quite a cool stuff. Yeah, so that's, that's quite saying.
0: interesting because, um, like you were saying, just sort of building up that trading history and the consistency of trading, and then three years down the line of like trading every day, like a professional athlete, you can finally go. Now I can actually like Get some, do the cool, do like the fun stuff, and like be fast and like perform.
3: Yeah, exactly. Whereas like people. I understand that.
0: No, nah, like like just in any endeavor, not just like rehab, like you were with him, but just like training for just anything. anyone. You know, yeah. you look at the guy, I want to do an
3: Ironman in under 12 hours. Well, yeah. okay, well, what, how many years have you run? Oh, I have not run before. Well, you're not going to do it then. Yeah. You know, I'm yeah. not trying to burst your bubble. You no, might no, do no. it yeah. and you might be an exceptional athlete. Yeah. But the guys that do their Ironmans in under 10 hours, 8 hours, whatever they do it in, have got three, four, five years of training history and yeah. a sport behind yeah. them. First. Yeah, they're generally
0: the kids that were like running cross country, did. All of that when they were younger and exactly and
3: and you know whilst I knew that in my head for cycling when it came to rowing it was like well why why aren't I in the (laughs) speed and the coach was like well you obviously need time to readjust to your life and know how how your body works you know like so I can't rotate round so you know use my core so in order to look to aim me I use my lats and my lat pulls me around (laughs) you know and little things like that or doing a kazak curl which is meant to build the upper chest or you know whatever it does I don't know. Doesn't work on me. I don't feel it in my chest. I feel it in my triceps, because my body now adjusts in how it moves differently and looks after itself in a different way. And it's yeah. you've got to learn how your body moves and how your body acts in order to get the best best out of it and get the highest splits you can. You know, yeah.
0: that's like it's <laughs> just quite interesting, is because um, there's a lot of people we have like clients, especially that come in and they've been told things by certain like physios or like massage service or something like, ah, oh, you're not like balanced or like one letter, like the human body is incredible at adapting to like yeah so many different things that, that try and destroy it. And it's incredible at adapting. Like mostly like your body is adapted to not having function of half of your body and you've adapted.
3: Yeah. Like, well, I'd say people actually, can
0: adapt to like being a little bit more like yeah. right yeah. and left. Yeah. On, yeah. <laughs> you know I mean?
3: uh, so I, well, this is, so when I left hospital, I had no core function whatsoever. Yeah. Um, and obviously now training volume and rehab with the GB physios and stuff, I've now managed to get some function. I wouldn't say I've got core function, but I've now got control of the top two abs. And what I mean by that is I can actually sit upright a little bit without falling over, or I can hold a weight above my head without, you know, when I first started to lift a weight above my head, I was like wobbling, wobbly all over the shop. And now only when the weight gets heavy, does that happen? You know, I can hold, I can easily hold 10 kilos above my head without wobbling all over the shop now. But um, like you say, your body adapts, and then we took my shirt off to see how it works, and all you can see is the, the lats turning on and off. So the lats, <laughs> yeah. my lats, are basically controlling the top part of my body. It's not. In the you waist do have huge order. lats, now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> But the lats are the what work. You know, my, I yeah. guess my lats are my six pack, or you know, mm. the stronger I can make those, the more able I'll become. Yeah. yeah. I was on a ski the other day, and
0: is it um so like different for everyone? Like in your category, the yeah you all sort so, of like. Because because are the coaches um, disabled? All are they? Are they all? No, the co-
3: our coaches are all able-bodied, and our cox is able-bodied as well. Yeah. Um, but Pat has been around the sport for yeah. so many years. I think this is his like twelfth Olympic Games, or so. I don't know, like wow, yeah. so <laughs> <been a lot laughs> Olympic Games. Yeah, yeah. No, he's, he was with swimming, able-bodied swimming before he came to para rowing. Hmm. Uh, but he's been, a, you know, he's been around for a very long time, so he's seen it all. Um, and Tom Dyson is a is a really good coach. He's the chief coach of, of uh, GB rowing.
0: So um, is the coaching like? Less sort of technique oriented because it's everyone's technique, sort of slightly different. I think it's, it's more, te- I think
3: because of that, it's more technique oriented right, okay. because what you might do to make a boat mo- move quick mm. is not what I can do. So he yeah. might have a vision of what the perfect rowing technique is, and he'll tell you what that is. And then you've got to go to him and say, So I think it's a more two way street than the able body, yeah, rowing. Yeah, yeah. So in able body rowing, you just get told how everyone wants you to row. Mm. But if Tom's telling me this is what I want you to row like, and I'm saying, Oh, well, if I do that, I can't quite feel it. Or I can't quite grip properly. Yeah. Then he's like, "Okay, well, what do you feel?" So recently, you know, recently we're changing my stroke so that I don't enter the water uh, so hunched over. I enter with more of a straight shoulder connection. But I was finding I couldn't throw my because I have no core control or lower back control. I couldn't then fire my back back because my shoulder blades were working to keep me this way. Yeah. So now we've worked on you know how do I and you know little things like that. You know we've had to work out. Although it doesn't look pretty rowing because I'm bent over like anything. But it works for my body, and that's how my body works.
0: Must be like um, a really interesting process just for the coach, because obviously, like a lot of the stuff we coach, you can sort of empathize to like more of an extent than than he can with you, probably, because we know what it would feel like to do like a reverse land or whatever we're trying to coach with someone. Whereas he probably has no idea. He can't conceptualize what you're trying to tell him. And
3: all he he can do is go off past athletes, right? So, a guy that I'm really compared to is Tom Agar, who is one the founder of british power rowing you know he won the first oh. medal at the games for power rowing you know that kind of stuff he's a hero basically in yeah. power sport and he should be recognized as sir which is not which is frustrating um i actually in his boat his old boat is my that's boat cool that's uh, <laughs> so really cool but um so tom always says oh well with tom we did this or with tom we did that because we're a similar level of injuries he can say okay this might work for tom so it might work for you if it doesn't then we'll tweak it you know yeah. Um, but because rowing such a, a new Olympic or Paralympic sport it's not a new Olympic sport, it's definitely a new Paralympic sport, yeah. it's very young and because of that the classifications were limited to three classifications, unlike athletics or swimming yeah, where you yeah. have 14 different categories for disabilities we have people in my category that range from no core control like me to people that can walk around um, but might not be able to get out to full extension because they have I don't know, something wrong with their hamstrings or yeah. something that they can't get out to full extension so they can't use their legs on the on the slide or you know and then the next category up you have people that can use one leg or you might have somebody as a double amp and then the next category up you have somebody that can is like a full full neighbor body rower that is blind or you might have somebody with quite severe cp so you know there's quite a, a range of disabilities within the categories and i think that's really difficult for the coaches then to manage i think that's one of the yeah, difficulties yeah. of making a boat go fast is you've got to watch how each disability interacts with each other yeah so it's quite. I think power sport is very interesting, and yeah. I think it's, you know post post rowing, it's something you, I might you've like got to be to.
0: like technically such a good coach to yeah have a handle on all those different variables. Yeah, like yeah. So
3: it's not just like get our six boys and put them in a boat together. You've got to find six yeah, matching yeah. disabilities, which is very difficult.
0: Yeah, so. yeah well, that's, that's fascinating. Just thinking about like how you'd go about like yeah. even starting to think about coaching that would be yeah. Like really, really interesting.
3: Yeah, and how you how you coach. So we, but especially because
0: coaching is like on a bank. It's a human thing as well. Like, well, no, it's like talking to like all those different people, trying to communicate or to do <laughs> slightly different yeah. things. Like it's insane. Yeah.
3: And I mean, in the you know in the more able categories, the you know you have a cox in the boat which can feel how the co- she's sat in the boat, and she can feel how the boat is moving, so she can kind of have. You know, or sits up here because the boat's rocking to the left or whatever, so she can feel what it's making the boat do. But the coach is watching it from the bank, yeah. so he doesn't even have that feel element to it. So he yeah. is literally just coaching what he sees. It might make the boat feel slow, or the athletes might say, "Oh, this doesn't feel right," you know. But yeah, he's just doing it off-site, which is incredible.
2: Yeah. Such a massive like feedback process through yeah. through that whole thing, isn't there? Yeah,
3: yeah. But then you build such a good bond, right? You know, so yeah. You build yeah. like a really good friendship and a really good coaching relationship.
0: That's really cool. So, uh, what event do you actually
3: compete in? Uh, so, yeah, so I'm a, a PR one male, which is the most disabled category, um, and I recently came fourth at the World Championships, qualifying a spot for British rowing at the Tokyo Paralympics, which is very exciting. Uh, I also hold the one k world record, and I'm vying to get the two k world record on the on the egg, uh, in December. So Ooh. that's what Ooh, I'm training for at the moment. Yeah, when is that? Pardon? When's that? Seventh of December. And so.
2: what is the record?
3: Uh,
0: currently
3: seven fifty six. No. 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 Seven fifty
0: six is the current record. So quick. That is ridiculously fast. Yeah. <laughs> Without legs. Without legs. That's that's what How legs. um what would you put money on if me and Tom were strapped into an egg like like you are? Obviously we still have cool. I've got my chair now. downstairs if you want to go to the <laughs> What do you reckon we would mm.
3: Uh, I don't know. So like a able bodied man, you know, a good time for an able bodied man is anything sub sub six oh five. it's the well the six oh five is yeah. the cutoff to get into the G B team. So you have to pull a six oh five to get into the G B team. I mean I started pulling when I very first started you you both are heavier than me. I was sixty nine kilos when I first started. Uh but I was pulling like nine minute thirties. So yeah. something around that. Uh is what you probably do. Yeah,
0: we're heavier and have yeah, but even, cool but even if
3: you were like strapped in, I reckon you'd probably do around a nine thirty.
0: Yeah. yeah,
2: the quickest I ever pulled was six twenty-five. I think. Yeah,
3: it's um, not bad. But it's actually pretty especially good, especially with your technique. Yeah. Whenever I <laughs> when
0: put an Instagram story with like Tom Rowing. Like within minutes, you might, I don't know how he knows, <laughs> but Pritch responds with his fucking terrible technique. <laughs> <laughs> my technique really bad? <laughs> yeah, just great. Um, he actually <laughs> says yours isn't so bad, but Ali's. Ali's, Ali's is terrible. Ali's yeah, is, Ali's much Ali's much is full of CrossFit there. Ali's. Yeah, Ali's, Ali's is yeah. I think
3: we're actually getting involved at the moment with a cool project um to try and. There's going to be like a new form of CrossFit apparently, and we're getting involved in doing some coaching, which is really exciting, or doing some like awesome. demo days and. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to that. So hopefully, you won't see such bad CrossFit <laughs> training techniques in the future.
2: But yeah, Connor in National Fitness Games, I, he got the rower going unbelievably <laughs> quick, but it looks so horrid. He's he, yeah, he he being five people
3: that just end up because they think it's stronger. They just end up using their arms and like you're like oh, all. It's obviously because because like, it's
0: not like at National Fitness Games, it wasn't like the event wasn't rowing. So yeah, so like it was as a team row as many calories basically as quick as you can to like buy you onto the next station. Yeah. Um, so the best way to do it was to do it in like really, really short repeated sprints. Yeah. Um, and like just have people holding your feet in and like
3: so it is it's a slightly
0: different event to like just doing a two K time trial. And time trial. Connor found that the best way he could do to get like just really aggressive for like twenty seconds was to basically I think pretend that he was strapped into the contact tube, not use his legs at all <laughs> yeah. Yeah. and literally just do like an aggressive pen like just lean forward and then just hurl himself back. He Which was he,
3: um, he actually would have found if he used his legs, he probably would have gone quicker. But the, the but thing was the recovery we, slide.
2: We did we were doing fifteen strokes each before changing, I think, or yeah. twenty strokes each. So I don't know if he was just trying to do his strokes as quickly as possible. So get off. yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. But he's going. He's going pretty quick. Like,
0: best part of 130 kilos. Yeah, yeah. So he's got a lot of weight. To have <laughs>
2: that,
3: yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. that is pretty.
2: But Ali said he started rowing properly, or properly for Ali, and yeah. then he went to Collins Technique, and he said he was going quicker. Yeah, so yeah, maybe there is some merit to
3: it. Yeah, get get your fixed seats, guys. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> try it out.
2: But yeah, the first time I tried the two K time, I just, I literally got off the row halfway through and was like, "This is stupid." I'm, like, it's really hard. <laughs> am I, am and, I then, I, <laughs> and then I had to go back the next day because I felt felt bad
0: about not doing it. <laughs> my, my ass went, just went completely numb the first time I hit it. Oh, really? It? You yeah. can
3: get a little uh, gel pad for it if you want. Can you? Yeah. Oh, that's nice. Awesome. Yeah. A little bit firm. Some of the, some of the guys use them.
0: Ooh.
3: I don't know whether I would, but some of the guys do. Yeah. Uh, but one of my favorite quotes ever from for sport uh comes from a cyclist, Chris Boardman. People can Google him. he's pretty, pretty epic. Uh, but when asked, like, how does he pace a time trial? His response was, if you are riding the bike and you're asking yourself the question, can I finish this? And the answer is no, then you've gone too hard. Or if the answer is yes, it means you're going too easy. You no. just don't know. you need to not know whether you can finish yeah, it. Yeah. <laughs> but when you're doing a 2K test, yeah, it, yeah. Well, I always say, no, I can't finish it. Because like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it is horrific. We had one, on, like I said, we had one on Saturday. So it was a, uh, yeah, it was a very emotional day. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I hate a two-day test. Five days is you get
0: nervous in the run-up to um, the test?
3: Well, this one was—we were meant to be doing a water test, uh, yeah. so I—I I prefer going on the water. I'm faster on the water than I am on the egg, mm. uh, comparatively. Yeah. So we were meant to go on the water, and then we got an email on Friday saying that the weather's too bad, so it's going to be moved to an indoor trial. So I didn't get chance to get nervous. Uh, but yeah, I—I I, I get more nervous for indoor tests than I do for outdoors because. When you're outdoor it's who races fastest on the day when you're indoor it's a very controlled environment and you it's yeah all you can give them yeah, yeah 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 so you got I to get sort more of empty the tank before. a little bit more right? and like this one was my first proper trial uh since giving up my job and going 100 percent full-time living in reading you know living breathing working rowing that is my job now yeah. um and I, had to, I was more nervous because I wanted to make it or justify that decision to myself to leave my family, you know, leave Megs at home and focus on rowing. That was yeah. a big decision. I needed to justify it to myself, but it made it worth it. And I think you've just seen my score and I think I did. So, you know, I'm pretty happy with that. And we'll just see what happens at Brick on the 7th of December. Okay. 7th of December. Yeah, 7th of December. Oh,
0: that's sad. You can't come to the winter hybrid games. games. Yeah, I I've missed both your games because I've been in competitions on both of them. I was going to say, uh, could you get a
3: team for hybrid so games? So the yeah. summer games I missed because I was at the Worlds. I was yeah. gutted. And then the it's winter bad games I missed because I'm at Brick. So, uh, I think it's...
0: Okay, to miss the hybrid games to qualify for the Paralympics, and I'm to not quite sure. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> maybe, maybe like maybe, you set just world <laughs> maybe you should. Maybe we'll give you a buy. <laughs> you,
2: you would have had more cake and hugs at the hybrid at the games. games
0: yeah, What
3: sure. yeah. uh, <laughs> cakes there? Oh, those are great. Oh, there so it? many cakes. <laughs> yeah, cake is good. Cake is one of my motivating factors. Too. <laughs> I think that is definitely true.
0: That's uh, one thing we hadn't actually like talked about at all. How do you find um, like nutrition and stuff alongside training?
3: Uh, well, I, you know the answer, but I, I really struggle with my nutrition. Not because I don't know what I'm well a because I don't know what I'm doing and b because of my cyclist background. Yeah. Trying to keep as light as possible to get watts per hour or watts per kilo yeah. up. Uh, not that I try to starve myself, but you're always limiting what you put in yeah. your body to get. You know, as lean as you possibly could, so you could cycle faster up mountains. You know,
0: mm-hmm.
3: uh, whereas now being a rower, initially I was told I need to get up to like 100 kg, kgs, so yeah. it was eat what you want to diet, and now it's like right now you need to lean down and you know lose some weight. Mm. I'm really struggling and trying to find a balance of not focusing too much on my nutrition and dropping the like weight, stressing about, stressing it, about yeah. it, and making sure I'm doing what they ask of me. um But yeah, it's a lot of calories a day we we can eat because we do a lot of training. So. Mm. My training week normally looks like a an indoor session on a Monday followed by a gym and then Tuesday is a three session day where we do two waters, uh, one w- will be like a long aerobic and then one will be like a power set- based session and then weights in the afternoon, Wednesday is water and weights or an and weights, Thursday is a cross training day where I tend to swim because mm. I love swimming and then a Friday is again a two session day and then Saturday is internal squad racing. So, you know, there's a lot of training volume there that you can afford to eat a lot of food. And I think some of the able-bodied Olympic boys were on 6,000 plus calories a day. Yeah. Just chugging through a load of food. Um, I'm currently at like four thousand three, To give a... That's not
0: considering like, like generally you're neat and stuff the rest of the time because obviously you can't move around as much. Yeah. so That's insane. So
3: I think after speaking to you last day, we did a a thing and I think my meat bin is like 2-2. Yeah. And then on a training day it goes up to like 5. So... There's a big variable between yeah. a non-training day and a, a training day. So,
0: yeah, that's oh. nuts. Yeah. Um, how do you find? How have you found the transition to like professional sport? Do you like and motivation. So you don't actually strike me as someone who Latt's struggles motivation.
3: with motivation. <laughs> uh, 0.97 of a second was what I missed out of medal by at the Worlds. I think mean, yeah. that's enough motivation for anyone. Given that it was my first in, like major international comp, I did the World Cup and I did Brazil that year and got medals in both. Going to the world is a massively different task, and I think yeah. losing out in a medal by point nine of a second the year before Paralympics is enough motivation to survive for this year. Um, so that
0: literally, can you? Are you able to sort of think about that, like literally day to day?
3: Yeah. You sort of wake what, up. When... What am I doing? To, what What am I doing actively on a day to day basis that is going to close that gap? Yeah. You know, you know, you're not going to get point nine seven seconds. On one day, by just going faster on one day, you yeah. need to make a difference over the year, and that's kind of what I do every day. Is like you know, even those days where you feel like crap and you don't want to train, I just look at. There's a photo I've got. I've got it. On my saved my phone, and you literally see us crossing the line, and I'm so annoyed. Yeah, I myself. watched. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. And the worst thing was for people that go back and watch it after this, you know, this episode or whatever, or if you want to watch after this episode, uh, like I said, I can't turn around. so I mm. haven't got the ability to like turn over my shoulder. And because I'd won my semi-final, uh, I, we'd, like, it was me in the middle lane, then Pollyansky who w- ended up winning the race, then the Aussie, then the Russian. But because Pollyansky went, uh, there was a, like a void between me and the Australian, and that void made it look as if I was further out of the race than I was. Yeah. So at like 1K to 12.50, I thought I was a lot further back than I was. I didn't realize I was still in contention. And what I should have done is kick on to regain contact, but I was like, "Oh, they've gone." Yeah, you know, so they're going to come back to me, or I'll save my energy because they'll either come back to me uh, because they've blown and gone too hard, yeah, or they've gone and I'm not going to catch them. You know, yeah, so I need to say, make sure I get my qualification spot. Yeah, um, and then I just—I didn't even know he was there. You so say the commentators like, "Oh, Benjamin Pritchard, no, he's there. You can feel him." No, I had no clue that I was that close <laughs> until I heard a doo doo. I was like, "Ah," oh. like <laughs> <laughs> just like. Uh, no, but no. I couldn't do anything else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I went through you five. You don't
0: have um, you can't have like a real. Well, AP I don't to be I said, well, anything? no,
3: you can't have a year piece to be coached. But I said to the coach, like, could we put like a I don't know, like a little wing mirror maybe? Yeah. On there, in an eventuality that that happens again. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, Where's your Where is your coach during the race?
3: In the stands, watching on like everyone else on TV, you know. Yeah. Uh, some coaches decide to cycle up and down, but he says well, there's no point because I can't do anything. Yeah. So, Can he not
0: have um, maybe like a paddle? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Green for go. <laughs> yeah. So he just
3: decides to watch it from the stands. Yeah. And I think that's you know he worked so hard for three hundred and sixty four days. I think he's allowed to enjoy watching the racing. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of how, how I, <laughs> yeah. How I how I think that. Yeah. But um. But yeah, I did not know I was that close, and I couldn't have done anything more. I went through yeah. the five hundred in, in a new world record time. I went through the K in a new world record time. Like I said, we all beat the K. So yeah. The, First to fourth went through the K in the world record. We went to fifteen hundred in the world record, so they set a new world record in that race. So yeah. everything I did, I couldn't have done anymore. You know, it wasn't yeah. as if I was chilling out; I was still going my hardest. I just couldn't, yeah. unfortunately, close the gap. So I think that is enough motivation for me for this winter. Um, mm. The biggest thing I've found going full time is the recovery
1: element—the
3: mm. ability to go. Because uh, even last year when I was you know, working remotely, it was it was great because I could train more. Yeah. But you were still, after a session, getting your laptop out, doing some work, or when you're on camps, everyone else is going back to their room for a nap, you're going to your room and getting stressed about work emails or work you haven't done, or trying to make a good impression to your new bosses and all that kind of stuff. Uh, and then this year, now I've gone properly full-time, I haven't got that stress, so I can yeah. literally finish rowing and go have a nap, or sit down and relax, or chill out, and do what you want to do, and just focus on your training. And I think that is the biggest element. and. You know, I'm not training any harder than I was last year. You know, I'm still training the same amount, yeah. the same volume, the same intensity. But what I am doing is recovering harder. And I know that sounds really cliche, but I didn't realise how important it was until this year. Yeah. You know. And that's.
0: Have you literally like just seen performances sort of? Yeah, skyrocket. You know, skyrocket, and
3: not just a one-off performance either. Like performances on a day-to-day basis are yeah. uh, getting more consistent because I'm able to recover between sessions a lot better. And yes. uh, yeah, I think it's just like the weekend proved to me that it justified my my decision like massively. So, you know, because we didn't taper for that 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 score, yeah. or that race. We I was lifting lifting weights on the Friday. I was benching, you know, big weights. I wasn't tapering down. It was a heavy weight session. And then on the Saturday, I go and pull a pretty decent time. So, and a PB by thirteen seconds for me. So not it's not too bad, is it? You know, yeah. Well,
0: um, yeah. The fact that you're still chipping away at PBs by or not or chipping at, margins, like, yeah. taking huge fucking chunks off them Yeah. just just sort of shows like how much more you probably still have like yeah in the tank yeah, yeah like you know when those progressions start getting smaller and smaller and probably more frustrating for you but when you actually start closing down on your potential is, yeah that's quite scary to think how fast you'll be uh, in yeah
3: and you know and like I said when I went to rowing it was Tokyo wasn't on the horizon yeah you know, I wasn't thinking about Tokyo it was all about a gold medal at Paris so you know, if I'm making these jumps now, then it makes that gold medal at Paris a lot more likely. Yeah. yeah. You know, Tokyo is hopefully a stepping stone in the road to that, and hopefully I'll you know medal or win.
0: Yeah. Maybe <laughs> <laughs>
3: <laughs> at Tokyo, but you know, gold medal at Paris is the aim. So that's my long-term plan. And everyone's asked me, "Am I going to retire after Tokyo?" And no, because I set myself for gold medal at Paris, and that's what I want. Yeah. So that's the plan.
0: How um, I was going to say like. What's the next big goal? But it's like we've got Paris gold medal. How how much have you sort of like backfilled from that bit? Uh,
3: I hadn't started to backfill yeah. because I was so far off the gas until last April. And then, like I said, Worlds came really quickly, qualification came really, really quickly. And now it's like, oh, you might be going to the Paralympic Games. Like potentially you are going to the Paralympic Games, mm-hmm. you know, subject to selection, individual selection. Because unlike any other sport, rowing, you don't qualify you, you qualify the boat. So my boat is qualified. So they could find somebody that's quicker than me and he could go. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the boat is qualified so I need to gain my individual selection. Oh,
0: When, uh, um, when does that get? Find out saying. in
3: April. So I guess, you know, if we backfill from, from the Olympic Games, we've got five sets of trials this winter. So we've done one at the weekend, which I came second overall in, which is on percentage times. Mm-hmm. So I was pretty, pretty happy with that. Um, I got beat by G and she isn't. If you ever want to see a a phenomenal athlete she is she can hurt herself oh my yeah. god she can <laughs> she can hurt herself she can hurt herself it's quite scary to watch but um yeah so g g beat me but yeah, we got one brick british british indoor championships on the 7th of december is another format of our trials and then we go into water assessments then um and i guess april is the last date for me where i need to that is the date where i need to be performing you know wow. and i think i'm worrying at the moment of Overdoing it now, putting big yeah. scores now, and then not having it in the tank by March, April time. I'm sure I will, but you know it's always a worry. You've got to be like, oh, am I doing too much now? Or, yeah, because yeah. it's such a big year. You know, uh, uh, <laughs> we've just had to send off a an email because uh, like there's this thing called a big list, which is like you know the GB rowing team has like a list of 100 athletes that they think might go to the games, right? And it might be three people from each category, but mm-hmm. you know and that will whittle itself down as the year goes on. And we just had to respond with, "How many family tickets do you want to be able to watch the watch the <laughs> rowing race?" I'm like, I don't know, like you know, I don't even know if I'm going. But we've had, you know, it's scary now how close it is. It's only 294 days or something. like so that. So
0: you qualified uh, your boat for uh, 293. Katopia. Yeah. Um, does so pl one men's skull? Yeah. Got one boat qualified from the GB, yeah. So, so you only race. only
3: one person per country can go, uh, 12 boats in total, I think. So, what that would mean is, and it would be very similar. It's over three days of the regatta, so unlike World, which was over five days, and we had like a race, day off, race, day off, race. If you won your heat, race, race, race. it could be race, 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 or if I win my heat, it could be race, day off, final. Um, if I don't win my heat, it's going to be race rep charge, which is like a last mm-hmm. chance saloon final. Um, but it's only one person through each heat. And yeah. it currently looks like, looking at world standings, it looks like I'll face the Ukrainian. So, um, yeah, it's quick yeah. yeah. Well, He's the current world, he's current world champion, and yeah. you know he's pretty quick. So, um, current world and Paralympic champion. So those he's pretty those seedings
0: change at all before Tokyo? They could do. Yeah,
3: okay. they could do. So, you know, hopefully i got to do enough this year to try and bump me up one seed in place. Or if Russia don't get, you know, if Russia get banned from the Olympics or Paralympics because of the whole doping thing that's going on at the moment, then it means I'll be bumped up a seeding place, which means I won't face him. So, yeah, but it could mean I'm racing three days in a row rather than racing two days. But I guess if my family are flying out, you know, 16 hours, then I guess they'd want me to see me race more. But, <laughs> <laughs> I don't uh, know. <laughs> sure that, <laughs> yeah. Um, I yeah, don't so want to so see you race more. No, now. So yeah, it's over three days the regatta, and it's all getting very real. You know, we just we've yeah. just had the first a lot of cuts from the squad after Saturday, and that happened yesterday, and that was very emotional for the whole squad. You know, yeah, yeah. Um,
0: well, I guess it's like your mates that you train your mates, develop, yeah, like, you know, yeah. and
3: you build relationships, and all of a sudden they're not going to be there. You know, it's kind of sad, but you understand as an athlete that that's how the process works. You know, are
0: any of the people that got cut? Um, like will they still carry on training? Will they?
3: Well, yeah, you'd hope so. Yeah. You know, like I, I, really do hope so. You know, and I'm sure that it just adds a little bit of vengeance to them if they yeah. want to come back next yeah, cycle. Yeah. You know, whether they'll be able to get back into the squad before Tokyo, I'm not too sure. But,
0: how um, how competitive is the GB squad in your class?
3: My class, uh, I'm currently the only person there. Yeah. There is one guy in development um, who is he's a phenomenal athlete. He was a downhill yeah. mountain biker. had a had a crash like me in the wheelchair now um, he's just a little bit off the gas at the moment because yeah. he's new new to wheelchair life just like I was when I was new to how, wheelchair um,
0: life How recent was his accident?
3: A similar time to mine a couple of months after right. mine but um, but he's sort of found rowing later found rowing later but and Andy Andy who was my main competitor in the squad uh, and in the same category me chose to retire after the Worlds this year yeah. um, he just said that he is doing everything he can to uh, get the speeds he was getting and he just can't see a way in which he can Bridge the gap to me, let alone bridge the gap to the next, next jumper. Yeah, yeah. You jump know, up. 'cause I'm fourth in the world, you know, I'm not in a medal contention spot, so there's still the gap that I have to bridge.
2: Yeah.
3: Um so he just mm-hmm. kinda said it's not gonna be doable. I'd rather the coaches and you know, it was a very honourable thing, but he said I'd rather the coaches focus on one athlete and help him close the gap than mm-hmm. try and take away time from that coach yeah, yeah, yeah. juggling two boats, you know. Yeah.
0: Um
3: the the biggest uh depth in the power squad is the PR three, so the it's the no. four boat, yeah. yeah. There's five of them: the cox and four other rowers. Uh, that's got the biggest depth in field, and that's going to be a really interesting selection battle this year, I think. There's six people going for four spots, basically. Yeah. So or seven people going for four spots. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then if you, you know, if you extrapolate that onto the Olympic side, there's probably 50 men going for 30 spots. You know, it's quite a lot. You know, it whittles it down pretty quickly, and you're going to see those cuts come more regular. And yeah, it's uh, nervous times.
0: Uh, after rowing are there any sort of like sports or things you'd really like to
3: I try? love skiing yeah. I think I'd go you know I think we get we're very lucky that if I get to the, go to the Paralympic Games I get three months off and yeah. because the Paralympic Games are the end of August beginning of September it takes me into the winter season so I might go out to Colorado for a little bit um, nice. me and Megs are actually getting married uh, the year after Paralympics in 2021 so I might not be able to go to Colorado because I might be saving my pennies for a wedding yeah. uh, but I hope uh, she lets me go and enjoy the slopes a little bit but um, yeah sporting endeavours uh, I want to swim the channel any winter parallel? oh sorry <laughs> <to> swim the <laughs> channel that's yeah, so far. <laughs> I, think, <laughs> I think that's kind of uh, we kind of we have the chat around the table in Cavisham in the dinner hall about what would you do what would be your one sporting endeavour that you want to do post rowing and I said I really want to swim the channel I love swimming I swim yeah. twice a week every week um, and I used to obviously surf and swim and mm. from the gallery you have to you know like,
2: oh, <laughs> <laughs> has that been done before
3: I don't know I haven't looked into that much but that's something that I've put on like a you know in a diary which you've put yeah out, you know your bucket list I want to swim the channel before I stop sport completely yeah and raise a lot of money for a charity that's my plan you know yeah 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 uh spire is my spinal charity and that's the charity I raise the money for um, my dad actually swam the distance of the channel twice in a pool over different days. Mm. Uh, but through the month, I can't remember what month it was, but he raised money for the charity by doing the distance over a month. But he did okay. both ways. So he did there and back. Yeah. Um, and I said, would you ever you, do You need to it
0: do that then really, don't you? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> I said, would you
3: ever do it with me in the sea? And he said, absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that's kind of my, you know, your big sporting goal. People said you want to row the Atlantic, I have no interest in it, but swimming the channel is something, I do have interest in it. Yeah. That'd be very cool. Yeah. Uh
0: I was gonna say, do you reckon it's only really like winter Paralympic sports, do you reckon you could Downhill
3: skiing. I don't reckon I could do it, but downhill <laughs> skiing would be if I was to go to any other sport, yeah, I think it would be snow sports. Either cross country or uh downhill because I enjoy being out in the snow. Yeah. Um, I used to surf, as, as you, know, you know, me and Bendy used to go surfing all the time.
0: Uh, rumour has it, by the way, that even without your legs, you can
3: still squat more than Ben. That. that is definite, 100% fact. <laughs> 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 that is not rumour, has it. Ben, and your legs are definitely bigger. <laughs> yeah, ben skips leg day <laughs> every single day of the week. Um, but sit skiing or, you know, sit skiing which is what i was doing on a monoski, ski was the closest i got to surfing because you're quite yeah. low down to the slopes every time you made a turn it was like you were making a cut back on a wave and it was quite i do a therapeutic uh, quite gnarly or you know what yeah I'm yeah it was like <laughs> that Seems hit, feeling yeah hit home to my soul and yeah i think that's what i'd want to do whether i want to do it competitively i don't know but if yeah. i want to spend a couple of months in colorado skiing that's definitely up there on the cards you know
0: nice That'd be very cool mate yeah uh Right then, I think we'll sort of start wrapping up a little bit yeah. from there, um, but if people want to find out a little bit more about you and keep up to date with you trying to get yourself to Tokyo and uh, potentially medal at the Paralympics, where can they sort of find out about you?
3: So if you want to find out a bit of my story, it's on iambenpritchard.com, uh, it's just a little website that my friend Taylor made for me, it's pretty cool, uh, the video guys made it in uh, that place down the road. Oh There's yeah,
0: and the cafe on the corner. Yeah, that's Spike the
3: documentary on my initial journey, which was really cool. It's nine minutes long. But if you want to follow me on social media, it's at pritch one Cool,
0: uh, right then, I think that is all of us. we are done, yeah. Have Thank you seen? so much, mate. That was unbelievable. Yeah, that was I've not incredible. heard your story before, um,
2: so yeah, that was incredible. Thanks. So I much sort of
0: like. We, we weren't that good mates before um, we met at Ben's wedding. Yeah. So I've sort of like heard snippets of it from you, but we've never actually like
3: sat down and sat about down it. and gone through yeah. it. I like always get like really clammy talking about it because, yeah. you, you know, I'm bored of it because yes. it's, you know, everyone says to me, you know, th- three years is not that long a time, but it is when you live it every day. Yeah. So, you know, I just noticed, this, is that the, that's my date on my tattoo. Yeah. So I've got a yeah. tattoo everyone and it's, this is me winning a race in Siren Sester. Uh, and then this is the date of my crash. Uh, and then a road—it's got whales, obviously, because. No <laughs> like and it has got me rowing at the top, and I actually wanted an able-bodied sculler out of catch because I think when an able-bodied sculler is out of catch or full extension, it's like quite an idyllic photo. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But the tattoo artist refused to do an able-bodied really? uh, row Really. me. he said, I'll do you in your seat, but I'm not doing an able-bodied rower. Yeah. And then I've got London because I worked and spent a lot of time in London. And this wave is. Um, by an artist called Ray Collins, who was a, a surfer that got injured in a mining accident. And now he can't surf, so he goes into waves and takes photos of waves.
0: So oh, wow. I've got that
3: on my back. And then uh, this is Native American toad and pearl for me and my two brothers. And the deer represents, or stag represents the ability to change life with grace. The wolf is the wise old wolf, and the bear is strength. So strength for my youngest brother, Dan, because he is literally like, I don't know, I've never seen somebody as strong as him. Like huh. He's always been, really super strong like he doesn't even look at it, but yeah. he's so strong. I can't say what the word is on, on podcast, but yeah, <laughs> there's a word for that kind of strength. And then my brother <laughs> my youngest brother I call uh, he's like my wise old man, you know, I go to him for advice even though he's my younger brother. And then yeah, me for the agility. Um you're
0: very agile in that chair. Um, very <laughs> agile in the chair.
3: Yeah, but yeah, so I always get nervous talking about my story because it takes you back to Yeah, those those days, I yeah. guess. Um yeah. and you like you don't you want to get it right and you don't want to forget things and yeah. make sure you say in a way that people enjoy, but I just ramble on, I guess. Yeah. Uh, you're unbelievably elegant, mate. Not <laughs> <right>? It's <laughs> yeah. incredible to
0: listen to. Yeah. Um I even if I guess it does become a little bit monotonous for you like going over it and over it and you over. Yeah,
3: yeah, and that's you know, I was going to go into the military in the january after i crashed yeah and i went to a got invited to go to a um, invictus uh like rowing squad yeah. team announcement to go and say congratulations to the rowers that got selected and i was like but these guys are my heroes like why am i going like these yeah. guys are the real heroes and they were like yeah but you're an athlete so you're you're their hero for a different reason
2: yeah
3: <laughs> and i was like oh yeah i've never thought of it that way you know i'm going to a school next week to present some awards and Whilst I say the same story, I guess these people find, you know, hope or strength from that, and yeah. it's really yeah. important, you know, to try and inspire the next generation. You know, to use that tagline, but hopefully, yeah. you know, there's young people in a hospital somewhere having just had a you know, terrible news, and they can listen to this and know that they can go and row or go and do any sport they want, yeah, or yeah. even go and paint. You know, yeah. my, one of my mates he was a rugby player, he's you know broken his neck, he can't use his hands properly, so he paints with a paints with a toothbrush paintbrush in his mouth and he Even paints more with master, paint with masterpieces yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah I <just> had <laughs> like uh, honestly like some of the things he paints are incredible yeah you know? and Henry Fraser is his name if you want to search him but uh yeah it's pretty incredible what you can do and yeah. when I go to hospitals now I don't sit there for the patient because I what I found when I was in hospital is that uh people would come on a weekly basis and, you know my mum my dad or you know partner at the time or friends or whatever And they would see big jumps or not big jumps depending on the patient and then they'd they'd get upset or they'd always get upset when they to see you because they hadn't seen you every day whereas you're getting more and more used to your disability on a day-to-day basis because you're living with it on a day-to-day but they just see you once a week and then they get upset because so whenever i go i try and make sure i time it to the same time as a family members come in because then you can kind of show that yeah Yeah. they're in a hospital bed now this is what they could be in five five years' time, three years' time, or whatever. Yeah. Um, and I had a guy that came to hospital with me. One, going back to a funny story, one of my favourite ones was, uh, it was the first time I'd been in my wheelchair, as in by myself, allowed to get into the wheelchair by myself, to push to the cafe by myself. And there was a guy called Justin Levine, who's a wheelchair racer. And uh, he was in the uh, papers recently for crawling through Luton Airport because they lost his wheelchair and he wouldn't get in a push, pushy one. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but we went to the cafe and we ordered two cappuccinos. and I asked the waitress or the, the barista to say, Oh, can you carry my coffee, please, to the table? And he's like, No, Ben, you can do it yourself. Anyway, I got to the table and I had like no coffee <laughs> <laughs> because I was like this, or like trying to push the wheelchair. And I just remember just arriving with like literally no coffee. Uh, but now I can drive around with a pint in my hand, or you know, yep. drive around doing loads of different things, wheelie one handed. Yeah. And Wheelie with Amy on my lap or where did all of these kind of things happen yeah. now? And you know, I think that's important for families to see that whilst they struggle now, they won't struggle mm-hmm. in a couple of years' time.
0: Yeah. I don't mean, think that's like obviously particularly uh like pertinent to people that were in your situation or similar, but I think like like inspiration is sort of like a little bit cheap sometimes, but like your story is like very definitely inspiring me. And I think anyone yeah. in any like walk of life or any situation can find some inspiration in, like yeah. especially your reaction straight off the bat. To Just don't come news. and
3: tell me I'm an inspiration when I'm doing my shopping. Like, I don't <laughs> mind I, no, I don't, go, go and fetching <laughs> the beans off the shelf. Yeah. Like I don't mind. Being, well, so, yeah, like, this is an off off topic, but I don't mind being called an inspiration when I pull good times on the egg or when I go into hospital yeah. and talk to new kids, and, like. That is very inspiring, and even I like sometimes sit back and go, "Oh yeah, I made a real difference there," yeah. and that is important. However, when I'm brushing my teeth, or I am <laughs> at a wedding, or in a shopping mall, or at Sainsbury's trying to get the beans off the top shelf, don't come over and tell me I'm an inspiration because I'm just doing a mundane weekly task. Yeah. You know that is not inspiring. Um, but you'd be surprised how many times that happens. My dad's actually now got T-shirts printed. My one says, "I'm not an inspiration. I'm just a Pritchard." And my dad says he's not an inspiration with an arrow pointed at me. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, you know, but then, all other people will come up to you in the hosp- in, in like a supermarket and be like, "Oh, you're such an inspiration!" You know, if you're wearing a your GB kit or whatever, you know, "Oh, you're such an inspiration." Which, fine, yeah, get that because I'm wearing my GB kit. Yeah. But then you'll be struggling to get like a milkshake or something, and then they just walk off. like i yeah i get it because they can think i'm able-bodied but you know it doesn't hurt to be like oh do you want me to get that milkshake for you yeah you know like (laughs) um people always get really awkward about asking but always ask never just do that's my yeah yeah, yeah my kind of waypoint on that but yeah, we've just rambled on for a little bit longer. So. That's all
0: right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, thank you so much for coming on, mate. No worries. Um, we'll definitely have you back on, I think. There's yeah, probably anytime. loads more we could talk about, like training motivation and stuff like that. It's yeah. really, really interesting. Um, so good luck in December, Yeah. pulling the world record. Good luck getting selected for um, the Paralympics. Yeah. And good luck at the Paralympics, mate.
3: Yes. Yeah. Well, hopefully I'll be back on before the Paralympics. But yeah. um, yeah, we'll do a little rundown right. before that. For yeah. sure. That'll be cool. Right yeah, then,
0: quality. Uh, thank you very much for listening, as always, uh, don't think I have to say I hope you found something interesting in that episode, because <laughs> that was incredible, um, so if you would like to, then you can follow Ben on Instagram, uh, we'll link all of his, his website, his Instagram and stuff in the podcast description, um, and if you could share this episode with anyone you think could find it useful or inspirational yeah, um, for his rowing times, not his. Uh, <laughs> <shop>.
3: <laughs> <laughs> uh, but on that note, if you do know anyone that's struggling with yeah. a injury or new diagnosis of any medical nature, or just struggling, full stop. There's a page on my website where they can send me an, a message, and I'll, I can reply back to them and arrange to go meet them, or you know, just talk them through my journey. So you know, please do make use of that share it out.
2: Yes, yeah, lush. Thank you very yeah. much, mate. It's quality. Thanks so um, much, mate. On
0: that note I think we'll sign off. No. Ta. Bye bye.
2: Ta-da!